and I just realized like it hit me again like a brick wall. I was like, hey, you know, bigger isn't always better. Mm. And it's not, you know, we don't always just have to grow because that's what you're supposed to do as, as a company. This is A New Angle, and I'm your host, Justin Angle, marketing professor at the University of Montana. This podcast is my chance to speak with cool people doing awesome things in and around the great state of Montana. We are proudly underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot Communications. Hey folks, welcome back and thanks for tuning in this week. This is one that I've been trying to line out for a long, long time. So I'm particularly stoked to bring you today's guest, Owen Gu. Owen is the founder and president of The Cycling House, one of my favorite businesses here in Missoula. And why is it one of my favorites? Well, it's because The Cycling House epitomizes two of this podcast's core themes, creativity and hustle. In particular, the origin story of The Cycling House is especially inspiring. Owen has been able to make his passion his life's work, and there's so much to learn from his path. Furthermore, Owen has developed some great wisdom about culture and growth. He has great clarity on the culture he's trying to build and has arrived at the critical and often difficult to realize notion that bigger is not necessarily better. I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope that you will too. So let's get on with it. I bring you Owen Gu right now. Okay, so we're here today with Owen Gu. Owen, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's taken us, us a while to put this thing together. You yes. are uh, quite a traveler and we'll get into all that today. Um, awesome. Owner, founder of the Cycling House, kind of a Missoula institution, but also this worldwide sort of traveling cycling adventure platform. I want to talk about how all that came to be, but uh, first I want to learn a little bit about more about your story. We've mm-hmm. sort of been passing and in, in the endurance community here, but yeah. never really had a conversation, so excited to get into it today. Yeah, so I grew up here in Missoula, Montana, right. born, born and raised. Um, what part of town? Uh, the west side, so west out on side. Mullen Road, right before Kona Ranch. Okay. Uh, past the golf course before, growing up out there, the golf course wasn't out there, but uh, just as you drop down the hill past the golf course, uh, it's called Snowdrift Lane. So Snowdrift Lane. Yeah, yeah, so does that put you like Big Sky High School? Is that Big Sky name? High School. Okay. Yep. Graduated right. from Big Sky, um, got into bike racing. I was, you know, our folks had us outside a lot. I was skiing, fishing, hiking, camping, and, uh, Eighth grade, uh, got really into riding bikes. Um, my dad kind of got me into riding bikes uh, before that, just out there. I don't know if you've ever been to Black Mountain, but it's kind of adjacent to Blue Mountain. And oh, yeah, like, it's the one yeah, that's kind cool. of logged out or burned yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, we just go ride bikes out there on the Forest Service roads and, sure. or the, the logging roads. And, um, but got really into riding. And by eighth grade, I was like, had a couple of buddies that were into it as well and uh, got a road bike and uh, started actually jumping into like a couple local road bike races. The riding community here was like super supportive of uh, really just anybody coming in and jumping on a bike and trying to figure it out. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking of how that goes when you're a young kid. I mean, most of your friends are probably playing ball sports or running track and field and you're you're doing this thing that's, you know, you're probably – riding a lot with grown-ups and stuff definitely yep um yeah hanging out at bike shops you know somebody will invite you on one of the group rides get to meet a few a few of the riders uh people will take you under their wing you know you get some mentors in the group and and then in high school started hanging out with sam schultz yep. uh, another one of our buddies logan onkin mm-hmm. friend of the um, pod yep yep yeah exactly <laughs> um and we just started we just started traveling and, and racing bikes yeah um and yeah, it was kind of one of those things in high school. Like, 
I had a lot of different friends in high school. Sure. Um, didn't just hang out with like one crew or, you know, one select group of, of uh, people. And and so I was kind of like the weird, you know, bike rider in, at Big Sky High School, but it was totally cool. Um, and we, we started just kind of doing some local races around Missoula. And then as I started getting more into the sport, I started traveling into the Northwest and then a little bit into the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And by the age of 18, I was... Uh, I went to nationals at Park City, Utah, and um, that's kind of, it just, you know, started learning from, you know, Sam and other riders that I would meet through the, through the riding community and some of the older riders. And that's kind of how it just progressed. And I got, I got really into it, like really, really into it. And, um, and so by the age of 19, I got on a, uh, team based out of Seattle, Washington called Broadmark Capital. Oh yeah. And that was like, yeah, that was like the first the first real team where like, you know, you get a bike and you get a travel stipend and they sure. get to fly to different races. And so it was kind of like a dream come true. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's like a job. Yeah. It was like a job well, and kind of, yeah. Yeah. And like, in like a wonderful way. Yeah. And, um, so that's kind of at that point, that's kind of how the whole cycling house concept started. But, um, but growing up here in Missoula, it was getting outside as much as possible and learning as much as possible with racing. And then also just trying to enjoy this, you know, enjoy being in Missoula. So you get to this point with with racing, Broadmark, traveling, you're living that lifestyle. Um, but at some point, uh, I, I'm making some assumptions here, it's sort of, you, you probably see the road ahead and you're like, well, I'm not, you probably had dreams of like racing in the Tour de France, but yeah. there's some point where like that's not happening. Right? Yeah, totally. And, um, and that was still, you know, as a very... Uh, competitive person in sports yeah. i mean maybe uh, you still have those dreams i certainly have them. no no like every time <laughs> no, i get my on dreams, a bike th- those dreams are long gone thank goodness yeah <laughs> um but uh no i i mean you know you want to push yourself and see how far you can go absolutely and uh and that's where i was at and um that getting on that team out of seattle was like that was a big step to mm-hmm. you know to see you know at what point is the next step yeah and um and being here in missoula montana um at that level it's Missoula is a terrible place to be a road cyclist. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. it's just explain that put, to a you've got to put it. Yeah. You've got to put a ton of time on the bike in the wintertime. Uh, you've got to bit <laughs> put in big, big base miles, like five, six hour days just to build up this like really big endurance base. Yeah. Cause we were, I was training, you know, Sam and Logan went off to the mountain bike direction and, um, and obviously Sam, you know, his, his story is incredible. And mm-hmm. I went the road bike direction and I was doing a lot of road stage races. And so you just have to build up this like, really big volume yeah. base endurance And that's base. really hard to do in February, March. Totally. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. you know, um, and so we actually, when I was 19, the team, uh, we had a training camp in Tucson, Arizona. Okay. And one of my good buddies actually here from Missoula, Montana, Evan Lawrence, um, he got on the team as well. And we were down there at this training camp in Tucson and, um, it was really cool. We stayed in the same, we stayed in one big house together somebody's cooking food for us. Uh, mm-hmm. we had a guide out there on the roads, like knowing where all the good rides were. And it was just like this really cool familial atmosphere where we we're just like all hanging out together. We're training together and, but we were training to become, you know, to be, you know, to be professional riders. Right. And, um, and so Evan, you know, really good buddy of mine, he's just like total idea guy. We start kicking these ideas around and, and, um, you know, it started, this idea started to come together. It's like, well, you know, we have this problem being in Montana in the wintertime. Like, that's a real problem. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, you know, we have to figure that out. 
and actually get away from Missoula, Montana in the winter. And, um, and so what if we were to put something like this together that wasn't necessarily for the aspiring professional rider, but for somebody who just wants to get away and ride in the sunshine in the wintertime. Yeah. Yeah. And get out, out of the basement. Yeah. And away we, from the trainer. Totally. And we'd put the pieces together and take them on bike rides and, you know, like just talking through it on a, you know, on a road trip and, you know, going to another race. It's like, it sounds pretty easy and it sounds pretty great because, you know, the objective was to train for bike racing and not have a real job. Yeah. You know, that's like yeah. truly what, like we did not want to have a real job because, you know, honestly, road cyclists at that level are like pretty, probably pretty bad workers because you kind of have to be pretty lazy. Yeah. You got to, you got to sit down or yeah. lay down. I mean, what's the Greg LeMond rule? Like why sand when you can sit, why sit when you can lay exactly. down, that sort of exactly. thing. Yeah. You got to kind of have to be a sloth yeah. because five or six hours are spent consumed yeah. with other activities. Yeah. And that mentality bothered me a little bit in road cycling, just sure. like, um, but that's, that's it. You know, you, you are exhausted. And so, um, the next winter, I actually was going here to the University of Montana, okay. um, did the fall semester in 2005, and um, Evan went down to Tucson. We rented a house. We you know, small, like, three-bedroom, two-bath house, invited some riders to come down, and we figured out how to cook some food. So this was like a and friends and family thing. It was like, like yeah, okay, friends and family, and um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely, like, low-key, very casual. Uh, right, but see if this thing works. Let's right? see if this thing works, and yeah. and um, and you know, let's let's try to break even and like make ends meet. Cause sure, we, you know, we didn't have you know a bunch of money to like you know fall back on or anything. So mm-hmm. it was like, hey, let's 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 figure out how to make this work. And and it, you know, that first year it was groups of ones and twos, and you know, I remember getting some riders like we would probably like would get booted off of a forum real quick nowadays. But you know, we get on like a triathlon forum and like. Denver, Colorado, and oh, uh, you, oh start you, posting you know, your... <laughs> you want like, uh, you know, you want... so um, anyway, yeah, we just had a few, a few folks come down. The second year was the year where we had an actual camp. Okay, where it was like a start date and an end date. So before it was just show up and yeah, do you your sh- own thing out of our house. We'll do some cooking, and then it sort of becomes a curriculum. Yeah, right? we yeah, you'd like shoot us an email. You'd shoot us an email. You're like, hey, you know. Owen and Evan, I'm going to get in on the 18th and leave on the 23rd, January. Um, You know, pick me up at the airport. And we would still, we would go ride with everybody every day and we would do the food and like all all those elements. But there was really, there wasn't a ton of structure to it, that's for sure. Sure. Still really fun. But the second year was where where we actually, um, it was actually Hammer Nutrition put a group of riders together. And so we had to put together like an itinerary where there's, you know, what we're going to do each day. And and so – you know, to be honest, like, I don't remember much of that week. It was like, yeah, it's a blur, so I'm incredibly sure. hard. And, but I do remember, like, it didn't feel like many things were going right. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we ran to the grocery store, like seriously four or five times a day. <laughs> um, we had to, you know, run to like do a late night target run to go get pick more pillows. And, you know, cause we just, it was, I think it was 14 riders and we just had never hosted a group like that. Yeah. And we, you know, we, you know, we just didn't know what to expect. And I, I think the, the thing that's seared into my mind the most is like, there was this, have you been to Tucson? No, I haven't. Okay. So yeah. uh, very cool place. That's for, part of the deal, right? We're doing this podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'll be down in a couple of weeks. Yep. Yeah. It'll be warm at that point. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, I should switch that up and do it in the winter. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> well, there's this mountain there called Mount Lemon. It's this beautiful yeah. climb and- uh, Legendary. Yeah, totally legendary. Um, 
And it starts at 2,500 feet and it goes up to above 8,000 feet. Wow. And so you go through all these micro, you know, you go through these biomes and microclimates and start in the desert and you end up in a uh, Alpine forest mm-hmm. and it's just like incredible. And, um, and the weather was really bad this day when it was like, we were scheduled to do it. And okay. we were kind of guiding as if it was, you know, I just grew up here in Montana. Like when you had something to go and do, if you're going to go ride up the mountain or go on a ride or whatever you just go yeah the weather doesn't really factor yeah, in. yeah exactly and i mean we were definitely trying to be good guides but it just never really crossed our mind to like hey let's check the weather let's see what's happening and well if you guys were training for your own objectives the weather doesn't yeah i mean it doesn't prevent you from doing a ride like that right it wasn't yeah exactly it wasn't it just really wasn't a big factor and so um the weather was really bad that day, yeah. and so I took a I took a group of riders up the mountain, and uh, we had hired Andy Schultz, Sam's brother. Mm-hmm. He was our first ever employee, and uh, Andy was in the support car, supposed to bring all the gear up to the top of the mountain. Yep. And um, and so as I'm riding up the mountain with everybody as we're climbing elevation, it's like uh, you can tell like every you know few hundred feet in elevation, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. Right. And a couple of the riders, you know, they they kind of knew better. They're like, hey are we good? Are we, you know, I'm like, no, we're good. Andy will be up at the top. He'll have the gear, I promise. And long story short, we get up to the top and, um, we forgot to put fuel in the support van. Oh, geez. And so Andy never made it up. And you got a problem now. Yeah. We started snowing and, uh, and ultimately I just, you know, we, there was a little cafe there. I had everybody put some napkins under their helmets for a little bit of insulation and we just headed down the mountain. Mm -hmm get back to the house, ran out of hot water. You know, there's like all these things where it's just like, oh my gosh, like, well, we learned a hard lesson. We'll never do this again. Yeah. And the coolest thing happened at the end of that camp, though, is like a couple of these riders, a couple of riders came up to me uh, at the end and I've become very close with these guys. I know them. Sure. Well, now they came up, they're like, hey, Owen, you know, and I'm kind of just like thinking that this was like a pretty tough week for everybody. Yeah, like your head in your hands. Totally. And um, they're like, hey, this was awesome. This is like the best time we've had in years. Uh, we want to, we want to know how do we sign up for the same week next year and like, you know, check in hand, like ready with a deposit. And it's not just us two, it's, it's everybody else too. And this was a group of riders that came from all over the country. They didn't know each other. So there's a couple of Canadians, there's, you know, some folks from New Hampshire, California, the Midwest, like all over different backgrounds, different ages, and they all come together and, you know, we're hosting them under one roof. We're eating food together, riding bikes together, and just spending this quality time, like, with each other. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was – I was just, like, blown away. And it was at that moment – it was, you know, those – like, that next couple of weeks, I was just, like, started to really think. I was like, man, there's really something to that idea. Yeah. And um, – because people really like it. You know, like, the positive mm-hmm. feedback loop was, like, really pretty powerful for me. And – and also I could see the business structure of it. I was like, this could actually work as a business. You yeah. know, like having one or two riders come through, it's like um, not really, you know, it's not really going to work out. Yeah, but like with a with a big group, it, it can. And so that kind of was the launch of, uh, you know, my uh, journey on the – Yeah, cycling. you know, I'm thinking about that too, how that, you know, you're, you're in the moment. You've had this rough day on the hill. Yeah. And you, you know, you're thinking you're probably being hard on yourself, mm-hmm. and you screwed up all these things, and you put people's, uh, you know, compromise safety and all that stuff. Reasonable thoughts to be having mm-hmm. as a guide. Yet, on the same time, like, yeah, sure, probably screwed up a few things, mm-hmm. but he did a lot of the 
core things right in the sense that you created this camaraderie yeah. and this shared experience through proximity, through suffering, through mm-hmm. getting through something together. And that's super formative. Yeah, without a doubt. I've now like reflecting on what really like makes me tick. I've always loved bringing people together. Yeah. And that's exactly what it, that's exactly what it was. And, and fortunately now, you know, we don't run out of it. We don't run out of it. Yeah, you can't, you can't like, repeat yeah, that model. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't scale, right? Uh, no, no, not at all. But that was that was like the 2006, 2007 season. That had a really profound impact on me. That just like that feeling of having a group together and like people actually liking something that you've been a part of and yeah. built. And and 2007 was a very pivotal time in my life, like the most pivotal year in my life, I think, because I quit bike racing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. It's 22 at the time. And, um, now talk about that. Like, was yeah. it, was it you sort of tapped out competitively or you sort of saw this other path or was it both of them sort of going on at the same time? There was, it was more the, for the, since like, uh, I think like 2021, 20, 22, when I was younger, you're seeing these like huge steps forward, like these huge jumps in like yeah. your fitness and your, you know, your, uh, skill at being a being a bike racer. I'm mm-hmm. um, not just the fitness, but also just like the you know the tactics of it and all this stuff. I was, it was kind of intoxicating. You know, you see yourself like progressing every yeah. almost every week when mm-hmm. you're younger, and and then you get up to the you know the um, upper ranks in the U.S. and one is just like gets really really competitive, which is you know that's like what I was looking for, but I wasn't having the successes that I that I yeah. was in the like the you know the younger age and. And also, you know, looking back on it at 22, it sounds like, yeah, when I was 22, I quit, I quit bike racing. Like, it sounds pretty young, but actually at that point, you really need to make the jump over to Europe or, yeah. or it's fine if you continue to travel around the U.S. and like, you know, do that thing. But I kind of started to look at the big picture of that lifestyle and I, mm-hmm. it didn't give me the, you know, the, the same uh, good feeling that it had for, since I was like a kid starting bike racing. I didn't, I wanted to, I wasn't seeing the progress that I was before. And I knew that I, you know, mentally and maybe physically, like I just wasn't there to make that jump. And, um, and there was also an element of like, shoot, I'd come out here at campus and I'd go, you know, I'd be back home for like three days in Missoula before flying off to another race. And I'd go throw a Frisbee with my friends and I'd be sore for like four days after that. Right, because like you did lateral so one movement or something yeah. different. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, I mean, you so... definitely get frail at, yeah. the, at the tip of the spear, of whether it's cycling or running or whatever endurance sport it is. Without a doubt, and I feel like I feel like road cycling. You know, it's like it's extreme. And um, oh yeah, and so you know, extreme, just like so one dimensional, and you know, that's because that's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. But um, but you know, that kind of bothered me. You know, I was like, shoot, I want to go hiking with hiking with friends and go, you know, backpacking and throw a frisbee without being, you know walking around like crippled for like four days. Right, right. um, So all those things were kind of coming together. And uh, I think the writing was on the wall with my, with racing. And, and so it was like this beautiful thing that the cycling house was there because I could take, instead of waking up every day thinking about, okay, what am I going to do for training or what am I going to do for workout or like thinking about bike racing or whatever, I started to wake up every day just thinking about the cycling house. How mm-hmm. can I build the cycling house? You know, what do we, what, what is this? And you know, what do I want, what do we want to do with this? And so 
that was pivotal because, you know, I quit bike racing. It was a big decision, but at that point it wasn't that hard to make. Mm-hmm. It's like felt so lucky to have the cycling house to step into. Now, were you, let me go out on a limb here, but, yeah. you know, cycling's got a reputation. Mm-hmm. Were you confronted with some hard choices? You know, I, and you got, yeah. I mean, if you want no, to no, not no. I, talk about this, that's fine. But I just figure like that time, yeah, that sort time of at the bad. peak of a lot of that, those, that stuff happening. Not that it doesn't happen now or didn't happen longer ago. Right. Uh, no, that's a great question. I, I wasn't, um, yeah. our team culture was so, was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, not, you know, not like, uh, you know, better than anybody else, but like it just, that I didn't see anybody making those compromises. Yeah. You know, it, it, um, it was definitely happening, you know, it's so weird when like you do a race and you, you know, or you knew somebody from like six months and you like went on a few rides with them and then like six months later you gets like busted for doping. Like that was kind of, yeah. it was all just weird and it was happening. It was happening a lot. You know, you saw it, you saw it in like the, over in Europe, you know, that like the, you know, that was like, that was like really, really big news, but even just like locally, regionally, um, and domestically here in the U S like you, you did see that. And, um, but I was never, I never was asked to like do something like that. Yeah. I mean, just the the world you're describing and sort of that, that inflection point in your career, it aligns with, you know, what, um, what Tyler Hamilton wrote about Mm -hmm. in his book and he's spoken about is like. He got to this point where, like, he was invited right. into that, you know, secret room Circle. or that black paper bag or whatever it is to, like, okay, now you're a professional and you have to act this way. Right. And I don't want to hijack the conversation with, with that topic, but, no, totally. you know, that it, it, it's heartening to hear that your team culture and your experience was just more based on, you know, uh, I've kind of hit where I've, where, you know, I've kind of topped out yep. in, in where I'm going and, and my energy is immediately kind of shifted to this other thing that I'm passionate about that's still in the same domain. Yeah, right, exactly. And um, totally, yeah, I, I feel so grateful that I didn't like, wasn't ever asked to come into that room and be like, hey, you know, make that decision. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, and, and I think I, fortunately, I, when I quit bike racing, I still loved riding my bike. Um, you know, I raced with a lot of guys who just quit cold turkey and they probably haven't picked up a bike since. Mm-hmm. I know some of those guys. It's sad to see. Yeah, it's really sad to see. Yeah. Um, so I still was passionate about riding bikes. And um, and uh, in 2007, I also, Evan and I realized that we were we were better friends and we were business partners. Okay. Um, and so there's a whole, like, probably a whole nother story but we we started a coffee company uh it's called 5311 coffee it's yeah like total like nerdy bike that was bike you guys thing. yep because oh, you used to distribute through hammer i remember yeah yep. you go on the <laughs> hammer website you see this 50th 5311 coffee yeah so we the the after the first year of cycling house we realized it's like you know all these riders liked uh drinking good coffee and so yeah so we we created a brand around that and um and long story short evan was way more passionate about that and like really good at that world and um and i was very passionate about the cycling house and mm-hmm. so um i bought him out of the cycling house and and f- we remain friends to this day and but you know so that was at that point that year like 2007 was really where i think the cycling house kind of started to become what it is today we started to you know, have a culture and, you know, create the experience and really just like start to just start every, you know, everything that we did was, you know, every decision that was made was for this idea of, you know, growing, growing the brand or building the brand and building something that is meaningful to try to find, you know, if we can have more of those experiences that we, that we had with that first camp. 
Yeah. So talk about that. Like you've got this kind of, you know, that experience at the first camp that's sort of your North Star as an organization, yet it's not really something that you can replicate and scale. Like we talked about that before, but how are you now? Now you're in the driver's seat, you've Mm -hmm. made the jump and you're in this position where you can make your passion, your profession. How are you making choices with, with, you know, how to grow this thing? What are you saying yes to? What are you saying no to? I think the, the first thing I really started uh, to focus on was the team. You know who team I was. Of employees. Yeah, team, yeah, 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 the guys, the staff, like who I was surrounding myself with, and that's when that fall, Sam Sam decided to come down and work next to Andy okay. because you know Andy and Sam are both these professional mountain bikers and they had yeah. to train too, and so so I kind of you know leveraged that a little bit, talked them into coming down, and then uh, then Brendan Halpin came on, mm-hmm. and uh, I still remember that like this this night, Brendan and I did a group mountain bike ride up in the Rattlesnake, and we went out and grabbed a beer at the Iron Horse as a group of friends. Right. And Professional triathlete at the yep. time, still, yep, to some degree. Yeah, just graduated from the University of Montana, okay. and I didn't know Brendan that well at that time, um, but I knew that crew, like that triathlon UM triathlon crew, it was like this amazing group. You know, mm-hmm. you had Ben Hoffman, Lindsey Corbin, Jen Lubke, and Brendan Halp, like all like this, you know, amazing athletes but they're just really good people you know like totally humble and just like fun to be around and just like they weren't just all about you know talking about triathlon ironman because it wasn't really our world but you know he's out there ripping mountain bikes with us and i will say like that's that was one of the biggest selling points for me yeah the endurance community here in missoula i mean i'm from the running space but come out here and you're going on runs with the Mike Foots and the Mike Wolves at the time and Seth Swanson and you know, other places it's like so just uber self oriented and it's all about do your run and then you know, go hang out in your recovery socks. <laughs> yeah, and totally. Do this, that, and the other. <laughs> and here it's just, you know, you're with real people talking about real stuff, working real hard. Yes. But just people were people. And yes. that was really refreshing. A new angle is underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot Communications, two cool companies doing awesome things all over Montana. Hi, this is Jeff Meese, media technician at the College of Business, and you're listening to A New Angle. Yeah, without a doubt, like I see that in the Missoula community as, you know, in the endurance world for sure, like that, you know, you know, all the runners... You, all the runners that you're talking about and that you see that with cycling and mm-hmm. mountain biking and, uh, and triathlon, you know, we, we've produced, uh, or, you know, these amazing athletes have come yeah. out of Missoula, Montana, whether it's through the university or just like, you know, they've kind of gravitated to, we call it the center of the universe. Sure. Missoula. It is. Um, and I was totally, totally attracted to that. You know, I was like, that's so cool. And, uh, and so Brent and I are, you know, we're having a beer down at the iron horse and, and I'm like, hey, what are you, you know, what are you doing next winter, uh, this coming winter? You know, you graduate, you know, you've graduated from the university. And because I'm getting, we're, we were getting a lot of triathletes down mm-hmm. at the cycling house. We call it the cycling house because we were cyclists. And, but what we realized is that was kind of that time when like triathlon, especially Ironman racing was like going through the roof. Yeah, it was just like exploding. a rocket ship. And, um, and so sometimes like 80% of the, the guests that would be at the the cycling house would be, would be triathletes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, Brendan and Brendan was like this guy who's like totally humble, like sweet dude. And 
wanted to also, you know, train for his sport. And, uh, and so he came down and, um, and, you know, Brendan's has not missed a season or any really a day of the cycling house since then the last 12 years, which is pretty incredible. Wow. So, yeah. So you're putting together this team yep. of just awesome people. I mean, I, I know a lot of the folks and they just mm-hmm. sort of share this, this spirit and, you know, one of the things, like, if you read the materials on, on your website, it talks a lot about this Montana experience. Mm-hmm. You know, how would you describe that? Like, what are your sort of guiding principles for, for crafting the experience for these guests? I think that, um, I mean, yeah, we talk a lot about this. It's it, it's hard for me to describe sometimes, sure. but uh, I, I think that for what, like, in everything that I've ever seen in the cycling house world, it's it's all about the people. And so that comes down to us, one, us as like the guides, the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, those are, those are people who truly care about the experience and truly care about the cycling house and our reputation and, um, and just like totally there to like take care of people. And they love being outside and mm-hmm. they really value that. And, I think in Montana, you know, not all of our not all of our guides now are, are from Montana or have a Montana connection. I'd say probably ninety percent of us do, mm-hmm. and the rest we've you know the rest are really attracted to that culture, so they fit in really really well with our or the cycling house like team culture. And it's kind of a, you know, I think you know we they have a can do attitude, problem solvers, and just people that people that truly care and are passionate also share that passion about being out on a bike or a mountain bike, road bike, whatever, whatever it is, just like sharing that experience with somebody, exercising with somebody, and then getting a lot of value and seeing somebody like, like that, you yeah. know, like, yeah. like what you're, what you're kind of like dishing out, I guess. The so, stoke, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other side of that is obviously the guests, you know, the, the, the people that come on the trips have mm-hmm. to, you know, they make, they make up a huge part of the experience just because they, they are coming from all these different places and you know you you see these relationships formed uh that are lifelong friendships sometimes mm-hmm. it's like holy cow that is that is really really cool so yeah and so uh, you know for the first few years i mean you would you'd rent a place down there mm-hmm. like it's called the cycling house but it's not an actual house yeah but recently you, you guys have purchased a place down there, right? In the last few years, we did. Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah, that's that a huge big, milestone. It was a big step. Yeah, it was a big step for us. So, like for for the for, for four years after, uh, for the first four years of the cycling house, we were only in Tucson. Yeah, and um, and I can't, you know, I always got a lot of crap from my friends back here in Montana all through the summer because I would be working on stuff. But like, they're like, "What are you working on?" Like, you don't have to go back down there. And I right. can't even say what I was really working on, but um, I don't, you know, sometimes I don't even know, but you sure. know, building the website or emailing or whatever it was at break espresso. Um, but then the, um, the next trip that we ever did was San Luis Obispo, California. Okay. And I was like eye opening. Cause it was like, Oh, we can do a trip in another place. And this actually show on the road. Right, so this week. Act, yeah, totally. This actually works. And, started to kind of like, you know, look at maps and just, you know, point at a place where we've always wanted to go and, and run a trip. And, and so that's kind of how we, kind of how we grew, but going back to Tucson, like Tucson, we're based here in Missoula and we've been based here for, you know, 14 years, mm-hmm. but Tucson is definitely like, you know, such a pillar of our company because yeah. of that winter, just because of, you know, our, or it's our origin. Mm-hmm. I think that's where we started. And, um, so 
you know, I would have, we never, I never knew how it was ever going to work out, but that was always like a, it was always a dream to like have, have our own place with, you know, with some property, be at the right, you know, the Tucson's a pretty big place, like be at the mm-hmm. right, you know, the right spot and, um, and really build it and like turn it into like what we, what we ultimately yeah, want. I mean, to you're be, thinking so. about the experience. You want the right access, yep. um, both for guests to get there, but also to deploy for rides. A big part of the experience is food, and I want to mm-hmm. talk about that, but, like, having the right facility to prepare yeah. the meals and yeah. to feed everybody in the right style, mm-hmm. probably finding the right place and then being able to make the commitment to it was a big deal. Yeah, it was a big – it was a super big deal, and yeah. um, it took uh, – I think it took 11 years to make that happen. Wow. So, yeah, patience and persistence, and then – and just, like, you know, timing was a big part of that, so – yeah, so concurrent with this sort of deeper investment in Tucson mm-hmm. and that identity and piece of the brand, you're also now, like you said, the San Luis Obispo trip. And mm-hmm. now you're doing all these trips to Europe and other fancy places. Talk about that. Yeah, it was I mean, it's like it's totally intoxicating when you, yeah. you know, when you're when you're building something you have this amazing team and you're doing it with your friends and um, you know, you just like are building these relationships with the guests. Like it was like really, really powerful. And I, I mean, for me, like is, it, it was addicting. It was like very addictive. And like, I just, you know, we, I love traveling and mm-hmm. loved, you know, bringing those groups together and also just like building something. It was like super powerful. And, um, and so, yeah, we started to, we started to try stuff in Europe and I, I mean, shoot, I growing up, like I never went to Europe. I, you know, sure. I and you always didn't, dreamed you didn't of it. race there, right? No, I never no, raced okay. there. And okay. um, so that's, you know, that all of a sudden, like we're over in Europe and we're trying to figure out how to run bike trips there. And, and so we were, we were actually growing a lot every year just by, you know, kind of stamping out a new trip somewhere, bringing the right crew together, the right team. And then like, you know, inviting our guests to come with us and, and it worked, it continued to work. And uh, I think it was in 2011, we had a trip in uh, Mallorca, Spain. Okay. And very cool place for a cyclist. Also, trail running is really good there. It's just mm-hmm. like this, you know, amazing island in the Mediterranean. And and I was here. It was like four days before I think we were supposed to leave for that trip. And we were riding up in the Rattlesnake. It was Sam, Brendan. It was like it was our crew. We were up on a mountain bike ride. And a ride I've probably done 150 times. Drop out. You know, just like a nice, yep. easy evening ride. And um, I had a new a new mountain bike and rode one section. We stop and we regroup and start catching up and. You know, Sam's like, hey, Owen, I think your brakes are rubbing because you're going pretty slow down this hill. You know, kind of talking a little bit of crap. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll show you. And screw up on a corner and uh, clip it like a millimeter of a tree and uh, end up crashing. And as a bike racer, whenever you fall, you know, if you realize that you're conscious and like you can move everything, you always feel for your clavicle. Just sure you broke that. Because I'd always see it on TV. I'd never broken a bone in my body. And, um, in all the years of like road racing and sure enough, like I, you know, my clavicles just like mm-hmm. totally bust. I'm like, I'm like, well, crap, I am the only one that knows as I'm like walking out of the, you know, through Sawmill Gulch, I'm thinking yep. to myself, I am the only one that knows what is happening on this trip. Even like the, probably the, the riders that were coming on that trip, it's all either in my head or on pieces of paper and maybe yeah. some emails. And, um, and I just was like, so I was, it, it was like, I just decided hiking out that we had grown to a point that, um, it was, it was definitely, it, it always felt bigger than me. Yep. Um, but it was, it was too big for me, you know, like I was, yeah, yeah. it was all, I realized it was all of me and like, that's not, 
we're bigger than that now. Like there's, it's, it's more important than just you. Um, that's, I mean, that's such a critical inflection point you're yeah, talking about with entrepreneurs, business owners. Um, and most, most people kind of come to a lot of those choices later. They mm-hmm. think, you know, I can't afford to pay somebody to do this other thing. And, you know, it's an allocation of their time choice. But in this case, it's a physical impediment to being right. able to do the job of leading a trip. Yeah. And I think, I mean, shoot, I think other, you know, maybe smarter people or more, more somebody that was like a little, you know, would reflect on like where things are going, maybe would have like figured this out sooner. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of always how I learned in a way. It was like, you'd get hit with, you'd, you'd hit the brick wall and you're like, okay, well now we need to do yeah, something the, about the this. van ran out of gas. Exactly. going to make that mistake <laughs> yeah, <again>. totally. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, that's, uh, I had, I went on the trip, I got surgery. And then 36 hours after that, I was on a plane going wow. to Europe just because that, I mean, it was that, like, that's just what had to happen. Had but, to do it. um, but after that, that's when we started to create these real leadership positions within the cycling house. And I started to actually, um, realize that, well, Brendan Halpin started to run trips. He, you know, fell into like a big time leadership position and, uh, Sean Radley was on the team at that point. Right. Sean starts to do like a lot more like meaningful stuff from the office and the organization and operational standpoint. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is, yeah, that took pressure off of me for sure, which was, yeah. which helped a lot because then I could start to like kind of climb up on the balcony and see the, you know, start to think about big picture stuff a little bit more. Really kind of grow into that CEO try to, position. Yeah. Try to grow into that role a little bit more. And then, um, what I also realized is that, you know, if you're willing to give up control to the right person, delegate things off properly, give up some of that control, uh, I realize that there's people out there that are way better at doing it than I, mm, doing whatever yeah. that role is than I was. And yeah. that's what, tr- I mean, that was like right in my face. I was like, holy cow, like, you know, Brendan just totally grew into this leadership position. Sean just like totally just started to run with the stuff from the office. And, and that was so cool to see because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just you know, all in Owen's head or on my, you know, little HP laptop. Yeah. Uh, and what you're describing, I mean, you might might not sort of really realize it or give yourself the credit, but it takes tremendous courage. I mean, I've heard some great leaders say that, you know, Bs hire Cs mm-hmm. and that As hire A pluses. Yeah. And so you being able to recognize not only the need to delegate some of these important organizational functions, but have you know, to be able to select the people that you recognize could mm-hmm. do some of these things better than you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely not, it's definitely not easy. And I think no. it's something that I still, uh, I work on constantly is to, you know, to, to, um, to really challenge, challenge myself to, um, to, to, you know, delegate and give up control. And, um, and, you know, I, I read, uh, one of the books I really loved was, uh, from good to great. Mm-hmm. And he always talked about, uh, He's talking about, um, you know, having the right people on the bus and the wrong people off the bus. Yeah. It doesn't really matter where people are sitting as long as you have the right group of people. Sure. And uh, that's like our, you know, that's kind of a big part of our culture where it's like we just, and and within the team from, you know, the early days of like, you know, with the Schultz brothers and Brandon and Sean and, you know, the, our culture has grown from there. And, um, and I think that, you know, we're always looking for opportunities to, to give somebody more responsibility mm. when they're when they're ready for it and they want it. Right. Um, and I I honestly have very rarely ever been disappointed uh, in somebody that that takes over responsibility and just you know doesn't work out. It mm-hmm. very rarely happens. It's just really hard to do. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. 
And you guys now, I mean, you're swimming in the deep end of the pool with a, with these, you know, sort of world-class trip mm-hmm. organizers, outfitters. I mean, how do you kind of view yourselves in that competitive landscape? How do you differentiate and make your pitch yeah. against, like, the back roads of the world and those sorts of big competitors? Yeah, it was it was really easy in the beginning because yeah. we were kind of the only – we really truly felt like – and saw that we were the only ones doing what we were doing um, with, you know, the kind of that home-based model, that familial, you know, cooking together and uh, training you know, camp. T- model yeah. Training camp yeah. model. And, um, and so, you know, it's in those early days, it was definitely, it felt more like training camp model. Very early on, we, we realized like, Hey, we're a place for professional people that work really hard mm-hmm. and value their time off. And with their time off, they want to do something that they love, which is riding their bike but couple that with a vacation. And um, so it was our jobs to make that as easy as possible for them, you know, like take care of the details so, you know, they can focus on eating good food, riding their bikes, and like, yeah. I guess like kind of being selfish for a week. Well, I mean, there's a there's a tremendous appeal to that. I right. Mean, to get away. I mean, some of the most rewarding kind of experiences I have now in recreation are the ones that are the most simple. Right. And sort of distill life down to their basic functions sleep eat run or ride yep and repeat mm-hmm. and a tremendous amount of work goes into creating the situations in which people can actually do that right right you know it totally does and i mean we that's what we absolutely love and so like in the beginning it was i think the big players in this space they were still really into that like hey you know ride for five miles eat some cheese, drink some wine, ride another five miles. And, you know, it was, which is totally fine. Like I love cheese and wine and, and riding five miles, but, um, but there was, there was a key, yeah, there was a, there was a segment there that wanted one and more and they wanted to, to challenge themselves and then have a soft place to land, you know, like not be, not be forced to, to ride hard, but, um, but, you know, we we try to create an environment where people can really get exactly what they want out of it. If you just want to cruise for a little while, like, that's great. And we're totally there for you. But, you know, if there's a rider that just, you know, wants to get in, you know, the big miles too, like, you know, we have these – we have guides and the kind of the, the structure to make that happen. And so I've – early on, the big players were not, like, we're not catering to that – that group that actually was like passionate about riding bikes. They wanted to ride more than five, 10 miles yeah. um, or try and train for an Ironman or train for their first, somebody wanted to go out and ride for their train for their first grand Fondo. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trying to ride a century, you know, like where am I going to go to like, you know, learn about nutrition and some, you know, and how to ride a bike in a group. And, um, and then, you know, cause I have this event coming up in New York city or, right. um, I'm wondering how you've, how you how that's played out with your, your culture you're talking about, your employees. I mean, the, the, the crew you've collected have all raced at the, the, you know, the highest level mm-hmm. of their respective disciplines is folks that have some competitiveness in their wiring. Yeah. Right. Yet you've created these trips that. You know, people can, like you said, have a safe place to land. Mm-hmm. Um, how's that sort of played into the crafting of these experiences yeah, for that's folks? Yeah, that's a great question because I think if you were to look at, you know, a lot of our, I mean, without a doubt, a lot of our guides and the, the team staff, they're very accomplished athletes. Yeah. Um, but they're incredibly humble people. Mm-hmm. And 
and again, above all else, it's it's about the guest experience. Like that that's something that we'll never compromise. And it, you know, it we're not a place for our guides to prove how fast they are. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, you know, yeah, if you want to fly up a mountain and show, you know, the group how fast you are, like this isn't this isn't the place. Yeah. yeah. And so very rarely does do we really even we don't it's like 15th on my list of things to like check in on you know maybe a new guide is like if they race or how fast they are anything like that like that's like so low on the totem pole it's more of like um do they like people and Mm -hmm. you know do they truly care about you know a rider's feelings out there on the road do they understand what it feels like to suffer up this hill because you're so strong that you know when you hit a little rise in the road it's like you're you don't notice what what the group might notice. yeah what so, you the know, mere the, mortals the are feeling yeah exactly yeah, yeah. and so so we work really hard at that you know we we make sure that that's like um what what and so what has actually happened is you know we find we actually have a lot of these great athletes that are at the cycling house but they're not there to prove a point mm-hmm. they're there they're there for the guest experience and and I think that you know back to your early question like with you know, how do we differentiate ourselves? I think that, um, uh, it's, it's our people. It's the, it's the team. I really feel like we have like this amazing group of folks that are out there in the world right now doing trips. And, um, and I feel like, uh, I feel like it's hard, it's hard to, for me to kind of like toot that horn but um, but we try to have other guests kind of tell that story. Yeah, um, I mean that's the sort of thing that's perfect for word of mouth mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. We just got to be powerful in this in this market. Yeah, it's very it's very powerful. I mean, yeah we we try to have other people tell our story um, mm-hmm. way more than than we tell it, and and I think that you know a lot of the other big players they've scaled things really really big. Yeah, and um, and it's pretty. It, which is impressive one, but also, you know, we have these, these riders, the, the team is, the staff is out there riding with you, mm-hmm. which isn't super common in the industry. Um, mostly you know, have local it. guides or contract guys, Yeah, contract guys, or, or they're just at, at a ne- the next turn in a van. Oh um, yeah. You know, you got to up the wine and yeah, cheese. It's like, yeah, you've got the Garmin and the, you know, you've got the route where like, we're out there on the route. We want to like maybe take a side road, a l- yeah. very adaptable. Like we'd love to be adaptable out on the routes and, mm-hmm. Um, and then food is a big part of what we do. And we, we really love to, we really love great food. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's why a lot of people do these sports so they can eat good food. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, but it has been interesting with, uh, you know, to your point, like how do we differentiate ourselves? We've seen those big players, you know, in the early days, like I was saying, like it was a very, you know, serious line between like, you know, that wine cheese five miles and what we were doing uh-huh. um that's gotten a lot closer sure because they've realized you know because of you know um the way that the sport's gone and what we've done i think is is uh really struck a chord with that vacation element creating a safe place for riders to go out and really you know have a wonderful ride and experience an area that um and have that really great support but uh but put in quite a bit of bit of time in the saddle if yeah. you want yeah yeah so now you guys, I mean, you, you, the market's come toward you a little bit in some ways. Mm-hmm. You, you sort of have 
arrived in the sense that your model is sustainable, you're a going concern, you're successful. You know, how do you think about what's the appropriate sort of growth pattern for your business as you sort of transition into that, that next phase? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that above anything, we are always checking in on ourselves to make sure that we're still in line with with the experience that our that our guests expect. Sure. And also from the team aspect too, like do we still love what we do? Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, that's incredibly important because like if if the if the guides and the chef, the camp director, you know, the leadership on the team or from our office, if we're not happy um, and truly still passionate about this, that's going to be felt. Oh, yeah, the guests will and, feel that yeah, everybody feels it. Yeah, totally. Like, you know, people are smart. You cue in on that stuff really, really fast. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're checking in on that a lot. And we have gone – we've gone through uh, – I didn't really know how much was too much growth. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2013, 2014, we positioned ourselves to really grow quite a bit, put a lot of uh, investment into growth and um, – and we learned a lot during that time. Uh, you know, we, you know, built in a new CRM system and, you know, another new website and all, you know, all these like really cool projects that came together. Um, but that cost a lot of money. Yeah. And new, you know, new, new folks coming in and training and, um, and all these things. I, re- I remember, I remember driving, I don't know if you've spent much time in Southern Utah, but it kind of off the Kaibab Plateau yep. towards like, uh, Flagstaff, you mm-hmm. know, you, vermilion cliffs and it's just like super desolate and we had gone through like this period of growth for like 18 months and we were growing a lot i mean it was like it was um it was impressive but i realized i realized that there was something you know there was like this undercurrent of just like constant like tension stress unhappiness like there was just something that just wasn't squaring up yeah and strain. yeah there was like that strain and and that that in southern Utah, like that's a wonderful place, and also like a really terrifying place to like do some serious soul searching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like there's nothing out there, and um, and I just realized like it hit me again like a brick wall. It's like, hey, you know, bigger isn't always better, mm. and it's not you know we don't always just have to grow because that's what you're supposed to do as as a company, right? And you know, as a competitive you know as a competitive person, we you know we I'm we're surrounded by competitive people and, you know, we want to do well and we want to succeed. And, and there's like very real metrics there within growth that are like, you know, Hey, you know, let's, let's, you know, go get that. Oh yeah. And, um, but you know, there was, we never broke anything, but there was cracks, you know, we were starting to feel, and maybe I felt it more than, more than most on our team, but you know, the, the, the key people that were in it every day, like we were starting to feel like, Hey, you know, maybe we need to actually not grow. And maybe what we actually did is then I, we spent the next 12, 16 months actually deliberately getting smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause what happened through that big growth period is we were, we were working twice as hard and making really no money Yeah, uh, from, yeah. from a business standpoint, it was just like, that's not good. Mm-hmm. And so, and we really weren't happy doing it. And on a personal level, I wasn't on as nearly as many trips as I was before. And so I'd kind of gone, completely in the opposite direction where it's like a lot of office time and you know a lot more just like managing you know systems and yeah that's not feeding you the way it used to yeah and so so we kind of had to recalibrate a little bit and uh 
And um, still, that growth period was wonderful because, again, we built in a lot of really cool systems mm-hmm. and we learned a lot, got fit. It's like it's almost as like a from like an, an like as an athlete, you you have to stress yourself quite a bit. Yeah, and it's like super compensation, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and so now we're we understand what that felt like and what that was, and so now we're very deliberate with our growth. And um, you know, there there's not an exact percentage, but uh, but moving forward, we want to do a lot more in Montana. Mm-hmm. Um, we we did our first Montana trip uh, five years ago. Uh, Sean put it together, and he's like, "I think I think we could do this." And that was like always a pipe dream for me. We started and finished at my folks' place down Mullen Road, oh, which is like awesome. totally sweet. <laughs> and uh, and so, but we want to do more in Montana up in uh-huh. Whitefish. You know, we have these like amazing places in Montana. We've got the big, obviously, the big parks that are uh, well known. But there's also just these other gems that like we love sharing with people and so we want to do we want to do more of that that's part of our growth mm-hmm. more of what we know works really well you yeah. know like we we've got these really wonderful trips in europe and obviously tucson and california and um you know all over the u.s and europe and then uh we are rolling out a couple of new trips like the dolomites we're going to be doing the dolomites first time this year so um but we're always checking in our th- with ourselves on that growth sure. because we're we're kind of past that point of just feeling like we have to grow just because that's what you do yeah um and our our structure isn't you know we're not like a it's not like we're uber or something where it's like bigger is actually yeah, you don't want to be uber be this week it's <laughs> right, like yeah, the no worst kidding. ipo in history <laughs> um but that i mean again oh and that takes a tremendous amount of poise and courage and clarity with you know kind of what you want out of this venture mm-hmm. and why you're doing it um i love what you guys are doing and i love that you're doing it here in missoula um, how could people who are interested in learning more about the cycling house, where can they find you online, et cetera? Yeah, we've got a, we've got a pretty great Instagram feed going on it. Yeah, uh, at the cycling house, the hashtag is hashtag TCH or hashtag cycling house. Also our website, it's a pretty great place to learn mm-hmm. about what we do. Um, the about us has a, a cool little video, um, that kind of tells our story. So yeah, you can check us out there. Super. Well, and best of luck. Thanks for coming by the podcast. We finally got it done and um, look forward to uh, maybe sharing the road sometime. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks, Justin. All right. Hope you enjoyed that one. Check out thecyclinghouse.com to learn more about what Owen and the crew are up to next. Okay. Coming up next week, we'll learn all about another innovative and cool Montana business. It's a conversation with Erica Mackey and Elkie Govardson of My Village, a startup trying to reimagine what childcare is all about. Stay tuned for that episode next week. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, a gift from University of Montana alums Michelle and Lauren Hansen. And remember that A New Angle is supported by CED, Consolidated Electrical Distributors. These guys pretty much sell anything electrical you would ever need, but they also hire a ton of our students. If you want to learn more about jobs at CED, visit cedcareers.com. And before we go, I want to thank some important peeps. Executive producer, Stefan Borsum. Producer, Aiden Morton, and interns, Aspen Runkle and Max Gibson. Huge thanks to VTO, Jeff Ament, and John Wicks for the tunes. And finally, props to Jeff Meese, our master of all things sound. Finally, if you have any questions, suggestions, comments, insults, whatever, please email me at anewangle at umontana.edu. Help us spread the word, and be sure to use the hashtag anewangle when you do. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.